Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. everyone and uh, happy hockey everyone as well time for another blackhawks crazy podcast as we come to you following the blackhawks first home preseason game uh, wednesday's two to one victory over the detroit red wings i am as always i think your pre and post game host on wgn radio chris Bowden, joined as always by i think the chelsea blogger and nhl.com correspondent scott king as uh, we discuss what we've seen here in three games in three days particularly what we saw here live and in person on wednesday night but also through the first uh, three preseason games blackhawks going one one and one it has not been an offensive juggernaut by any means but there's a lot of mixing and matching going on so i think that uh, may be a little bit of a high bar to expect here in the preseason, and I think uh, any logical fans would would happen to agree with that. But Scott, from what you have seen so far, both you know here on Wednesday night and from watching from afar on the, on the tube from the games in Washington and Detroit prior to this one, you know what have been the main things that have uh, stuck out to you, be it good, bad, or uh, indifferent? I guess for the first uh, three preseason games. Well, the first two, you see some growing pains. You have guys that aren't accustomed to kind of playing with a lot of NHL players, learning away a little bit. And then here on Wednesday night, you see a much better effort, especially from the Blackhawks, in terms of now they have a Kane and Taves together and you have a Seabrook and Keith. You get a lot more of the veteran guys out. So obviously they just kind of looked uh, more crisp in general. But I, I thought everyone, whether it was um, you know rookies or, or veterans on, on Wednesday here, looked fresh. I thought guys had legs. I thought there were some good plays on both sides. Um, we'll, we'll probably get more into specific, uh, specific guys in a little bit, but it, uh, pretty good to see Corey Crawford you know, stop 23 of 24 Red Wing shots after what he went through last year. Yeah, and, and uh, we'll hear from Corey a little bit later on here in the podcast following that first performance of the season, but you said we'll get into it a little later. Let's get into it right now. Like in it. terms of the people, the players that people are talking about especially the two new faces in particular when it comes to upfront um, it was uh, quite a lightning rod of a trade when Stan Bowman decided to send Henry Yokiharu to Buffalo over the summer in exchange for Alex Nylander uh, much less of a lightning rod trade back in January when they managed to get Dominic Kubelik from the LA Kings for a fifth round draft pick but those have been the two guys that have you know, really stood out. When we talk about lack of offense, those are the guys who have really brought the offense so far through three preseason games. And now the question becomes, uh, is there any doubt here, or is it still a little bit too early, Scott, in your mind to think that, all right, these guys are on the roster, or whether something still needs to shake down, you need to see something, or whether you think the coaching staff still needs to see something here. Even though we're only three games in, and uh, both of them have flashed very positively, have they flashed enough to make this a fait accompli? Well, look, it's not all up to me. A lot of times I wish it was. Coach King. But it's up to... Not Derek King. Either. It's up to Coach Colleton, who... Interesting enough, on our last podcast, we talked about how he said that Nylander has to play a little better when he doesn't have the puck. He, that's, that's where he needs to kind of improve his, his uh, pace and, and the way he plays. And he said it again tonight. So I thought, you know, what was interesting is I didn't notice 
that on defense for him tonight when he was when he was defending. I, I didn't notice any any lapses, any kind of lagging in play. But I do know, and I think Carlton agrees that when he's on offense, especially when he's playing with the Canaan Taves, the guy looks great. So was he? My question, I guess, is was he? concerning in that same area or is it just kind of keyed in, in in the coaching staff's heads that we need to keep watching when he defends because that's our report on him that's what we noticed on him before so that that's a focus there you know whether it was there a lot in general uh, a lot tonight or not that that is a focus of the coaching staff with him otherwise Kubalik, uh, another good game tonight a lot of good chances and it was tuesday night i believe he scored two goals so um i think all positive with him it's, it's it's really a, a fascinating puzzle here because I think both of those guys have done enough to this point to be on that plane for Prague. The the puzzle part though is is interesting because when you saw Shaw play with Strom and Debrinket and provide what he always does as an element to that line in Detroit on Tuesday night, you heard Jeremy Carlton say afterwards. You know, in so many words, he really liked the way that those three work together. So then the question becomes, okay, so with Taves and Kane here, is it going to be Nylander? Is it going to be Kubalik? And whichever one it is, and who knows, maybe both of those guys are both slotted on a wing on those on those two lines, and you use Andrew Shaw somewhere a little bit lower, always having the opportunity to move him up and down the lineup because he is capable of doing that and, and, and provides what he does. But... Can you get as much out of these guys, Kubalik and, and Nylander, a little bit farther down in the lineup, or do they both need to be in that top six? We heard people talk after the Detroit game when Kubalik scored twice. They would love to see that weapon on the opposite side of Patrick Kane with Jonathan Taves. On the other hand, Alex Nylander doesn't have quite that shot that Kubalik does. And I think people are trying to figure out whether he is a shooter or whether he is a playmaker type, too. We always know that we know that Patrick Kane is capable of doing both. So then the value becomes okay as as either of them moves down in the lineup. And you can have the same question about Brendan Perlini too. How valuable and how effective can they be if they if they are moved down the lineup? And, and you can say the same thing about Brandon Saad too. Are you only going to get the numbers twenty plus to twenty five goals if he is on the top two lines, or say if you know a, a Kubalik and Assad are together on that third line with whoever the center may be, um, uh, can they be quite as productive? And, and I think that ties into some questions about whether you're able, uh, even able to get offense down the line from a David Camp or not. We know how, how great he is defensively and from a penalty kill, but how much does that affect what you're going to get out of some of these other potentially talented offensive players? To me, it's a fascinating puzzle, and I'm anxious to see how much uh, – action he gives Kubalik and Nylander in these last two home preseason games when they really have to make some tough decisions and start shaping how their lineup is going to look as they head overseas. That's interesting about Nylander's offense because in addition to him, obviously, at least in the coaching staff's opinion, having to improve his defensive play, I've just noticed him being very skilled on offense and having good hands and making some good plays, some good moves. I never... Yeah, it didn't really factor into my mind whether he is a, uh, a shooter or a passer. And back to Kubalik, I think it was um, – I don't know if it was on a podcast or on Twitter, and we talked about it um, maybe off air, that I had said that right away I thought he was a top six guy. I think you agreed before – even before camp and 
before the preseason. So mm-hmm. that seems to be a good possibility right now, I would say. Yeah, and and the thing is you, you can see it. And, and that shot that he has, uh, we saw it in Detroit. The opportunities weren't as great playing with David Kampf on Wednesday night. He was still pretty good. But he didn't. He didn't quite flash like he did the other night in Detroit. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how what conclusions Jeremy Carlton and his staff get, and if they already think that those two guys are already on that plane overseas. Speaking of Jeremy Carlton, let's hear from him after this Blackhawks two-one victory over the Red Wings. And the first question he was asked in his post-game gathering with the media was about Alex Nylander's performance playing with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Yeah, I thought he was good. I, I just, again, we're looking for uh, his play without the puck. We know he's going to do a lot with the puck. Um, you know, their first time playing together, so you know, there are always going to be some kinks you're working out as far as the plays they're making and whatnot. But um, you know, he had a great net drive on uh, Dunk's goal. That's um, those are the things that you know people don't notice, but opens up ice. We want to open up nice for those skilled guys he's playing with. Uh, you know, he, I thought he had a couple really good uh, tracks. He was forechecking, he was skating. So that's what we're looking for. And if he continues to do that, then he can be effective at this level, uh, no matter who he's playing with. So like the Mata Zebra pairing was pretty good. Is that something that you think could be together in the regular season? Yeah, it's an option. That's you know, we just kind of want to let it play out a little bit uh, as far as giving them some time to develop some chemistry and that won't, that's not the only combo I'm sure we'll see these things evolve as the year goes on but uh, you know we liked them in the festival and uh, you know they got a chance to go today and I thought um, you know there were some times where they you know, of course they got a little bit extended on a pinch or or off the rush but uh, overall they're pretty solid see Bokefist's offensive play again what do you think of his, of his defense tonight yeah I think uh he was effective in a lot of ways. He was using his skating to to defend, uh, you know, both off the rush and, and closing in D zone, and um, even just to, to be able to jump and win a race uh, on a loose puck in D zone. And then we get out because obviously, he's, once he wins the race, he can make a play. So he he did a lot of good things. And of course, you know, he had a couple flashy offensive plays that everyone's going to notice, and we notice too. But uh, ultimately, uh, we we want to see him defend, and uh, so there are some positive things for no doubt. How difficult will it be for him to make the team, given he hasn't played the pro game yet and you've got a pretty solid top six if Calvin's healthy? Yeah, well, for him, he just got to keep the opportunity that he gets and do the most with it and and continue to get adjusted to the pro game. Um, He can't control uh, the numbers. He just got to perform at his highest level and, and you know it's still early we're three games in uh, to the preseason and uh, we, we got a, some more evaluating to do but uh, but I've been pleased with his uh, games I think he's he's uh, showed well you always talk about first year pro is difficult yeah does it, does it make is it going to be a hard decision though for you to say does he belong here or would it be better for him to grow a little bit more active well, those are great decisions to make I think we have uh when you have first-year players, young players with with that type of ability, that they're going to try and make it hard for us. That's a tremendous sign for the organization. So, hopefully, he continues to get better. And uh, you know, along with you know the other young players that are here, let's let's have competition. Let's know that we're we're deep everywhere, um, both on our roster and in Rockford. So, um, that's nothing but a good thing. More than uh, 20,000 here tonight and a big crowd on Sunday for a scrimmage. What does it mean for you and for the team to have support like that even early on in preseason games? Yeah, it uh, just reminds you of how great it is to play in the city. Um, 
you know, as you said, first exhibition game, and it was buzzing, you know, as as usual for the anthem, and that it's a pleasure to, you know, you don't you don't have to work too hard to get to get up for the game, and uh, I'm sure the guys really appreciate that kind of support. When someone plays with tenacity the way Gilbert did tonight, how much can that factor in and help their chances? Yeah, he, you know, he plays a little bit different from some of our other um, prospects at that position, so that's good for us. We want to be have some different options and different ways that we can look to build the lineup. And um, he thought he, he actually made quite a few plays. Uh, he was quite clean with it. And that's important. Like, if you don't make clean plays when you have it, you're, you're going to end up defending, and um, that's not what we want. But he's also physical. He had a couple uh, you know, good collisions out there, and, and that's important. We'd like to have that dimension in our team. So um, that's what he needs to do to, to show that he's valuable to our group. Who else stood out to you? Talked about. Yeah, well, obviously Taves and Kane—they're flying. Uh, I thought uh, for the first game, they—they they were a lot of you know, good effort. You know, they're pressure on the puck. They got a, got a good forecheck going. I'm sure they would love to create more. Uh, that's the kind of how they are. <laughs> they're greedy like that. But um, you know, I thought they were good. I liked High more. Uh, I think Camp's line was very good. Excellent forecheck, back pressure. They really provided a lot of energy for the team. Uh, you know, we had a lot of good efforts. Crawford was excellent, I thought. So I'll probably stop. I don't want to leave anyone out. Are you leaning towards Kane and Taves again, just figuring out who the winger is? Uh, I'm not really leaning toward anything right now. We're, <clears throat> I think we, we got some more games that we need to play. I need to try some different combos, and uh, it's an option. And you know what? Regardless of what happens, like if we start with them together, they're also going to play a part. You know, and if we start with them apart, they're also going to play together. We're going to be flexible with how we build the lineup, and that may even be within the game. And uh, that's what they can do. I, I'm not so worried about them working together. It's more like if they are going to play together, who might be an option with them? And then uh, how can we build the lineup with them playing apart? Uh, we'll figure that out. You heard earlier in that Q&A uh, with the media for, for Jeremy Carlton being asked about Adam Boquist's performance as he gets his uh, second crack at a preseason game here in the 2-1 victory, being paired with Duncan Keith on Wednesday night against the Detroit Red Wings. And this all shakes down, as you heard Carlton you know, talk about Calvin DeHaan and whether he is going to be ready. I think Brent Seabrook and Olimata were surprisingly good being paired together for two quote-unquote slower guys. I thought they played well together. Seabrook led all in ice time. Granted, I know, it's not against the Manthas and the Athanasius and the Dylan Larkins of the Detroit Red Wings. But those two, for what they were facing, played pretty well the other night, or on Wednesday night. And uh, towards or during the game, we were asking people, listeners to the podcast and those of our followers on Twitter, to ask us some questions here. And we're going to continue doing this from this point forward. Hey, we're reporting a pod, or we're doing a podcast uh, tonight or tomorrow. Do you have any Blackhawks questions? People were serious about this because we only got one question from when we asked, but the question was from Jen B, as she uh, calls herself on Twitter, the chances Boquist makes the team. So everyone thinks the top six are set if DeHaan's healthy. Cuckoo and Dahlstrom are your seven and eight. Where does that leave Adam Boquist? Well, he had another ooh-ah moment 
actually two of them in the third period with his sick between the legs pass to himself and almost sniping one top shelf after that impressive goal on Monday night in Washington, D.C. So we get into the numbers game again. And do you think this is just a matter of whether Calvin DeHaan is green light, ready to go come October 4th in Prague, whether Adam Boquist is a member of the team, or you still think that window of opportunity is is still there for him? And granted, something may have to happen injury-wise if Dohan is healthy for Boquist to find his way. Because he's not going to be sitting up in a press box if he if he's on this opening day roster. Well, look, right after Gen B asked the question is when he did that between-the-legs move in the offensive zone and almost generated a nice scoring chance there. So Gen B's questions are lucky. How about the rest of you guys? Uh, I th- Get with the program. Let's go, guys. Don't be sheepish. Uh, no, I, I think... I think he's making it really tough on a coaching staff already because I don't even know we don't even know if in their minds if he's lower than seven and eight if he's the ninth defenseman on on a depth chart right now he might he might have passed those guys or he might be eight you know I I don't know there's there's just look you got Gustafson who's got a great shot and and can quarterback the power play and all that but he's just got so much offensive upside Bachfist that is and I think it was Chris Cook who tweeted that he's making Patrick Kane moves out there cuz he is that's that's how much upside he has offensively and you could definitely use another defenseman like that his skating is is excellent and you know he's probably improved his defense a little bit he's you, we still have more of camp here before we're in Prague uh it's for him to improve that and it's something he can build on throughout the season. So I, I still think there's a chance that he's he's on that roster. He's on that plane and he's on that roster. And here's the other thing to consider, though. As teams go through training camp and perhaps suffer some injuries, um, the Blackhawks have a, a glut at that position, no matter how you characterize it, whether you know guys are, in your minds, top pairing, second pairing, third pairing, or just a seventh guy. As teams suffer injuries, the Blackhawks do have some potential assets available to wheel and deal to try and, you know, uh, loosen that log jam a little bit. Whether you know they they would move uh, guys like a, a Cuckoo or a Dahlstrom or or somebody else that, that may need it to get something in return. Let's also keep in mind, Philip Holm played really well on Tuesday in Detroit with a goal and assist. And while he wasn't as flashy here on Wednesday against Detroit. Um, you almost didn't notice him, and when you're a defenseman on a third pairing, that that's not a bad thing either. He and Dennis Gilbert were pretty steady, so this is another guy who's kind of worked his way into the mix. So on the Boquist matter, uh, I guess we haven't given you a final answer here, but um, I think certain things, in my opinion, have to happen for him to stick. I think he'll make the trip overseas at least perhaps play that game in Berlin, and they'll keep him handy in case an injury may occur, but... Uh, if if the numbers stay the same now, the personnel stays the same right now, uh, I, I could see him starting out in Rockford despite all he's done here. But on that subject, let's hear from the guy that was his uh, defensive uh, pairing mate, uh, Duncan Keith, who is usually regularly paired with a very offensive defenseman and Eric Gustafson, who didn't play on Wednesday night. Instead, it was Duncan Keith with Adam Boquist. And here's the two-time Norris Trophy winner on the number 8 overall pick from a year ago. Well, he's obviously uh, got a lot of skill. I think everybody saw that tonight. But, um, you know, for, for a young guy, he's 19 years old. And, um, you know, I was playing I was playing junior hockey at 19 years old and things he's doing out there. So, you know, it says a lot about the poise he has. And he's just going to continue to get better and better. And, uh, 
uh, the more comfortable he gets. Can you tell how much he's improved in the last year, or is it kind of hard because you haven't kind of seen him a lot? Yeah, I haven't really seen him too much, but I mean, you, you just know that uh, he's confident, and uh, especially when he's got the puck. Uh, and you know that's tough to do. I mean, that's to have that confidence uh, like he has uh, at such a young age. I mean, no matter what age you are, but I think he's uh, pretty nifty with the puck, and uh, that shows every year. And was great last year, and I think he's just going to carry it on and get more comfortable he gets, uh, the better he'll be. What did you think of the toe drag he had in the, in the third? Yeah, it's pretty nice. Uh, you know, those are kind of things that uh, little plays like that that uh, only a few guys really make, and you know he's one of them. So he brings uh, fans out of their seats, and when he does those type of things, and created a great chance. I mean, it was a perfect time to do that play, and uh, you know he just uh, goalie made a nice save. How tough is it for a player to know when to jump into a play like that? A young player to jump in. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it. Uh, kind of his instincts, you know, offensive instincts on when to get in there and when you can kind of sense a, a weakness or a breakdown in the other team, but it's also, you know, knowing the time of the game and the score on the clock and all those type of things, so uh, there's a few things that factor in, but, uh, you know, mostly when you know, uh, you know, you can, you can get into the play, there's a hole there and you read it. Duncan Keith played uh, 22 minutes and 48 seconds in the uh, Wednesday victory over Detroit. As for uh, Adam Boquist, 18-26. Duncan obviously leaned upon a little bit more during the penalty kills. The Blackhawks were on that for a, uh, a couple of uh, times during the course of the game. But let me, let me say one thing about Duncan Keith. Turned 36 years old in July and he still has the wheels. I mean, that's what you need in this game. And on top of that, the shot that he finished off with the eventual game-winning goal was impressive in itself. But Duncan Keith may not be Norris Trophy caliber these days, but he's awfully awfully uh, close to yeah, being a quality top-pair defenseman. Uh, I think he's kind of rebound over the last couple of years. The last line of defense on Wednesday night was Corey Crawford. He got back in the net for the very first time this preseason, and I said this to Troy in the postgame show. He's like, he's like a, when he's on his game, it's like a comfortable shoe. You know, he's trustworthy. He's back there. He was, like Ron he, he was calm, cool, and collected. Not a wheel of cheese, um, not leather-bound books, but a comfortable shoe. Corey Crawford stopped 23 of 24 shots, the only shot that got past him on the power play. He had no shot at that one because it deflected right off of Brent Seabrook, as a matter of fact, on the penalty kill, uh, right to Taro Hirose for the only goal. But uh, here's Corey Crawford back in the net for the first time since last spring for, uh, with some of his postgame comments. Oh yeah, definitely. It's just there's more bodies during the game. You know, there's guys skating across up top. And, um, there's a little bit more happening. Um, but yeah, we we've been practicing a couple of guys in front, and um, but it, there's just more bodies during the game. How much would you like to play in the preseason before you look at ready? Um, I don't know. That's that's something that's up to Jeremy. Um, I'm sure I'll get a few. Uh, but um, I mean, the, the work is in, in practice too, seeing the puck. And, um, just, just a few situations, I think, during a game that you just don't get in practice. That's good to see. Power play, obviously. We, we practice it, but it's, uh, it's a little bit different in a game. Um, you know, guys aren't hammering it in practice like, like they would in a game. You know, we got our own guys standing in front, so. Um, 
Чисто логика. I guess the early stage of the goalie competition has Corey Crawford taking a little bit of an upper hand over Robin Leonard, who got a period and a half in Detroit on Tuesday night. Uh, probably had a goal that he wanted back on that first goal. He had a clear look at it, and he was beaten a short side, glove side on that first goal. The second one was kind of weird, too, where, you know, uh, a little bit of hesitancy perhaps on whether to pounce on a puck uh, or whether to take charge, and uh, the puck ended up going past him. I would imagine Robin Leonard gets a look here on Saturday night against Boston. I don't think they'd come back with Corey two in a row. And um, so, uh, but Corey... Was he looking like a comfortable old shoe to you, too, Scott King? I thought so. I thought so, Ron. Uh, <laughs> comfortable shoe. Uh, no, yeah, just it seemed like he. It seemed like things were slowed down for him. He seemed like he was in a groove. He made it seem like those pucks were shot very slowly. The way he was just kind of able to uh, glove them. Yeah. Some things were coming from far away. Was with some mustard on him. I, I thought his uh, his glove. He was flashing the leather. I thought he's good positionally. Um, he seems focused. You know, it's a, it a good game for him. It's good to see. And the team played a lot better for him in front of him in the second and third period. That first period was kind of slushy, it seemed, because the Blackhawks, they had a good stretch of about four or five minutes when they were down in Detroit's end early, but then Detroit pretty much carried the play. So 10 of the 24 shots that he faced came in that first period, but as the Blackhawks picked things up offensively, Corey didn't see as many high-danger chances, at least until they pulled their goalie with about two and a half minutes to go, and he found some pressure there. But he was up to the task right then and there. Uh, As we wrap up here, uh, I had never been tweeted at with a broccoli emoji but uh, but uh, thanks You're for welcome. doing that. You're welcome. Yes, uh, another fine second intermission meal. Can I? Can I? Can I? Was yeah. it just one stalk of broccoli though? It was. Well, that was my first plate. I had two. I had two plates of broccoli. I had. You know. I had. I had uh, another. So my first plate was a beef sandwich, hot peppers, one piece of broccoli because you got to have something healthy. Just one thing, and uh, some waffle fries that. 
there was chili and cheese, so I decided to make myself chili cheese fries. And then I went back and made another plate of chili cheese fries and beef, but without the bread. So another healthy decision. I'm going to have to run tomorrow morning. <laughs> I don't feel well. Yeah. Uh, an extra mile or so. The green mile for broccoli, I suppose. Uh, hey, thanks for listening. We were glad we were able to we were able to uh, at least get some food conversation into this one, and uh, we wanted to get a, a podcast to you here after three games in three nights, and we're going to come at you again next Thursday as well, following um, the game next Wednesday. And to finish out the home preseason schedule here at the United Center, there's game Saturday against Boston. And then Washington comes here on Wednesday. We'll come back with another podcast and see what transpires then. Jeremy Carlton is promising the first wave of cuts between now and Saturday's game. Perhaps by the time you hear that, it's already been announced. I wouldn't expect too many surprises. But maybe after Saturday's game, you know, with Rockford opening their training camp on Sunday, you may see a couple of more uh, after Saturday's game as well. So we'll have a better grasp of things when we come at you again in another week. Uh, we want to thank uh, Curtis Koch for producing and for providing the sound as well because uh, he was working the locker room afterwards. Yes. And he captured some of the podcast magic on Twitter. So, so you guys, if you go on... on uh, it's fascinating. Our, Curtis, what's your Twitter? Uh, Curtis K Radio. Curtis, Curtis K Radio. That's a, Curtis with a C. Yes. Curtis K Radio, and uh, maybe a little picture with the podcast. Yeah, he tweeted. That's uh, pictures at his Twitter, so you guys get a little behind-the-scenes look of what we do here for our post-game podcast. Because because we're heartthrobs. That's what we are. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thanks to Curtis for producing. We also want to encourage you to follow both of us on Twitter. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets. Scott's at, at Scott King Media. You can read Scott on NHL.com. You can read him as the Chelsea blogger on WGNRadio.com and on NHL.com as well. Any other .coms that we need to, need to hear from? Forbes.com if you also like entertainment. I just did a fun story where I was in the green room uh, for a comedy taping that Sebastian Maniscalco, the Italian comedian, produced uh, Pat McGann's special, went, which went very well. It was cool to be there as it was happening. Alright, and uh, good on you for doing that, Mr. Versatility, and we encourage you to subscribe as well to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast on iTunes. That way it'll be sitting there ready for you whenever we complete another one. And please, by all means, if uh, you're uh, our listener, if you get it on iTunes or however, leave a review. We can always uh, We always appreciate the input from you guys and uh, if you like the podcast tell some of your uh, friends your sons your daughters call your family call your friends to the black for the blackhawks crazy podcast so we'll talk to you again in a week again thanks for listening everyone this has been the blackhawks crazy podcast and we'll get crazy between now and when we talk to you next time later